You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the Westside Community News. And today, another roster update day. Haven't had one of these in like six or seven podcasts as the free agency news has died down, as the Pacers haven't done anything since they officially signed Andrew Nembard, but it comes out today via two different reporters, who I will talk about later. The Pacers will be adding a player. We'll talk about Davida Servitas and what it means that he's added to the Pacers, where the Pacers roster stands now, because, spoiler alert, it's full. And so training camp just got a very interesting storyline added to it today, and some other roster ripple effects with two-way contracts. And Kendall Brown, lots to dive into today, and let's just hop right in. First report today comes from Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype, confirmed later by Donatus Arbonus from, uh, from Basket News over in Europe. The Pacers are signing uh, the wing Davida Servides, the Lithuanian six foot eight wing. Yes, the Pacers have signed a Lithuanian with the initials DS. That will not be confusing for anyone at all. Uh, it's not actually that confusing, but I did find it funny. Not Sabonis, a different Lithuanian with those initials. So the initial report from Skato was a one year deal suggesting that Servides uh, would be fighting for a roster spot with the Pacers on this one-year deal that he got, and then Urbonus confirmed later that it is, in fact, an Exhibit 10 contract, which means it is one of those deals that can be converted, or not convert. well, yes, it can be converted to a two-way after training camp. The other thing that can happen is if he gets cut by the Pacers after training camp or in preseason, he gets a bonus of an agreed-upon amount, up to $50,000, if he signs with the Mad Ants. And this could have been a little tipped when you know last week the Mad Ants made a trade. They traded away Kiefer Sykes to the uh, Motor City Cruise for Servetus' G League rights as well as Kiefer Sykes' G League rights, I should say, for Servetus' G League rights and Derek Walton's D League rights. So uh, perhaps a little tip that this was coming that the Mad Ants acquired Servetus' rights and Justin Anderson went through the same thing last year. Pacers traded with the Long Island Nets to get him in. And he got an Exhibit 10 with the Pacers right after the end of preseason action. So they got him into uh, the Fort Wayne system via those these exact side of transactions. So who is Servetus? Why did the Pacers bring him in on this Exhibit 10 deal? Could he actually be a guy who makes the roster? Because there's going to be some roster battles at the end of training camp now, right? The Pacers are up to 20 guys, which is the max. That doesn't mean they're done. They could be done, but that doesn't mean they're done. Uh, but it does mean that they have more Exhibit 10s than the te- a team typically does, which means there could be competition for two-way spots. There could be competition for an actual roster spot on this team, which I think is very interesting. And I think if you look at Servetus, uh, you, you have to think that he's one of the guys who would have a leg up to potentially be on the Pacers roster in some form, whether that's via a two-way or via the last roster spot, which I think is interesting. If you look at our bonuses report that I mentioned earlier, since he's the one who reported it was an Exhibit 10 deal. Uh, he reported that Servetus drew interest from several NBA, European, and NBL teams after his summer league performance. Uh, and that summer league performance, he played with the Pelicans this year and scored 16 points per game, shot 46% from the field, 42% from deep, 78% from the foul line, as well as over five rebounds a game. So he really put his stamp on it, had a really big six three-pointers made game. This summer league, I think it was like a 26-point game. I should have kept that style line up in front of me. I just remember that from research earlier today. So that's what kind of cemented that 
teams were pursuing him because his NBA career was sort of strange, right? He got drafted pretty high uh, in the 2019 draft uh, by Dallas, although I'm putting air quotes up because it was traded straight to Detroit. And then he didn't come over for a year. He didn't play till the 2020-21 season. He had some connections uh, with the Detroit front office. And uh, a little underwhelming in Detroit. Didn't play that much. Only 20 games his rookie season on his first year of his deal. Only 133 minutes. They didn't even bring him back for year two as his top 40 pick. They did not bring him back for a second season. But this past season was ravaged by COVID. They had to insert hardship contracts. And Dwayne Casey in the Pistons front office did decide that you know his playbook knowledge and his abilities would fit them for that. So he did play three games with Detroit. This past season uh, for 27 minutes, so about nine minutes per game in those games. So a two-year vet uh, who is a former top 40 pick. And the thing that's been interesting is at the pro level, not a ton has materialized. About 32% from deep, 30% of his shots have gone in, 30% in his career. That's not very good. 15 for 50 on the nose. Free throws haven't been there, but the Summer League performances have been impressive uh, in general. Shot 50% his first year in Summer League as well, right? So there were some encouraging signs when he's not going against NBA competition. Not that that matters a ton, but you know that, that suggests that maybe he could be a little more than he's shown at the pro level. And that, and like I said, it was reported that you know that G League performance, or excuse me, that Summer League performance was a factor. And in the G League, he did shoot well as well. And I think that's where this this pops to me a little bit. Uh, with the Motor City Cruise this past season, because Detroit let him go, he played 14 games, uh, and he shot 36%, 37% from deep, excuse me, on seven attempts a game. Right, He was really chucking them and still getting him to go down. Free throw percentage was good. I think the indicators are there that he could be a shooter based on summer league play and based on G League play. Uh, it has not materialized at the pro level. So this could be an Edmund Sumner situation where you know, Sumner shoots well from three in the G League, it takes a while for it to come around in the NBA. It could be another situation where he's just not ever a good shooter, and we're talking about such small sample sizes here that it doesn't matter. Either way, he's a six foot eight wing that looks like his best skill at the pro level is that shot. He hit a, a lot of nasty step back threes in his in his tape uh, in his rookie season with the Pistons. Did play in a game against the Pacers, although only a minute and a half of garbage time. Didn't shoot the ball. Just his stout and assist. So an Exhibit Ten contract suggests that the Pacers. I uh, would like to at least see what he could do for them in that setting, uh, perhaps fight for a roster spot, perhaps fight for a two-way. And because they have so many Exhibit 10 guys on this team, he'll have an opportunity to fight. I think that the Exhibit 10 part of this is so fascinating to me. I was curious when it was initially reported by Scotto that the signing would happen. Is, oh, I, I thought right away that he has a pretty good shot to make the team just because of that experience as a top 40 pick, as a guy with NBA experience, as a guy with recent success, uh, both in the G League and Summer League level. Not that those are reasons to add a guy, but those are reasons to take a flyer on a 22-year-old wing who might be able to shoot. You can stick that guy you know, on a two-way. You can stick that guy as your 15th guy and be happy about it. So because he's on an Exhibit 10, there's a chance that that happens. And I think that the training camp battle between all these Exhibit 10 guys is going to be fascinating because I'll get into more this in more depth in the second segment. The Pacers have 20 guys now in their orbit. They haven't signed Servetus or any of their four other Exhibit 10 guys or Kendall Brown yet. But assuming that they do ink all those guys, you know, that's a lot. Kendall Brown, who knows what his deal will be, but five of those guys are on Exhibit 10. So there's, there's two-way availabilities that are open. There's a roster spot that's still unclaimed, only 14 serious or NBA, serious is the wrong word, 14 actual NBA contracts that have been signed and agreed to by the Pacers. So there is wiggle room on the team 
to add someone else to that spot. I don't know if the Pacers want to go a full guarantee on that, and I'll talk about that in the last segment here as well. But there will be some interesting battles, and it seems like Servetus, just based on his resume, and that the fact that the Pacers, you know, made this trade to get him at the G League level, at least have some level of interest in seeing what he can be. Even and all the other Exhibit Ten guys they have are rookies that they snatched up in the undrafted free agency process. So you have to imagine if he has even at least a decent training camp, assuming nothing else happens roster-wise. Uh, between now and camp starting and, you know, between the Westbrook stuff that's out there, Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell, three-team trades, the Pacers not being at the floor. There's nothing that says they're done. They could still move some of their 20 pieces around and end up at a different 20. But as of right now, I would give him, I would give Servetus a leg up on the rest of the Exhibit 10 guys uh, to have a shot to either be the 15th man on a non-guaranteed deal or get a two-way and split some time between Fort Wayne and Indiana and whoever else gets the other two-way. You know, they could share some duties, improve together. Those two-way guys, whoever the two of them are, always end up being really close. You know, Dwayne Washington and uh, even DeJean Giroux, even though he only spent about a month with the Pacers last year, they were close. Terry Taylor obviously grew into that as well. Nate Hinton and Gabe York were close. They had to spend some time together in Fort Wayne before coming to the Pacers. So either way, I think Servetus would have the leg up as of now. But if things change a little bit or different details are revealed about some of these guys' contracts, that could, of course, be interpreted differently. But the Pacers signed someone. And that would be their 20th guy in orbit. And so let's put a bow on this. The Pacers roster, if there's no trades between now and training camp, might be complete for preseason and camp. Let's talk about who the 20 are and what the new interesting storyline is. Now that the new guy they signed is on an Exhibit 10 contract. Excuse me, hiccups during a podcast. Terrible timing. Before we do that, let's talk about betonline.net. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find all the latest sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games, betonline.net. They've got reviews and news for every single pro league, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, even golf, NFL up and rolling now. Training camps are going. Colts are rolling over at Grand Park and Westfield. Baseball trade deadline just happened on BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head over to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action over at BetOnline.net because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, let's just plug Lockdown Pistons here. Kuka Hill does a great job covering that team. They're going to be young and fun. And they had Servetus last year and the year before. Kuz covered him before. He will cover a team without him now because he's on the Pacers. And the Pacers now have 20 guys. That is the maximum you can take into training camp is 20. And that's why this is so fascinating to me. The Pacers roster could, could be done at this stage. So they have 14 guaranteed contracts. I will read through all of them just for the refresher for the sake of this segment. From highest paid to least paid, it's Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, Daniel Tice, TJ McConnell, Benedict Matherin, Goga Batadze, Jalen Smith, Tyrese Halberton, Chris Duarte, Aaron Neesmith, Isaiah Jackson, Andrew Nembard, O'Shea Brissett, and Terry Taylor. 14 guys on the Pacers this season, 13 guaranteed deals, plus O'Shea Brissett, who might as well be a guaranteed deal on this team. So they're one spot short of having 15 standard NBA contracts, which we'll talk about in a second. So they can carry 20 guys into camp. That's only 14. The other six names are Kendall Brown, who's sort of TBD out there. There's been some reporting from Zach Pearson of 8.9 seconds that he could get a two-way deal. Uh, And then five guys 
who are reportedly signing Exhibit 10s with the Pacers this season. That would be Eli Brooks, who played for the Pacers in Summer League, Jermaine Samuels, who played for the Pacers in Summer League, two undrafted guys, Tevin Brown, a third undrafted guy who played for the Pacers in Summer League, Fan Bojang, who played for the G League Ignite last year and then played for the Pacers in Summer League, and now Servetus. That makes 20. That's the max the Pacers can carry into camp. That means... Unless they make a trade that's two for one, unless they send away someone and don't get anybody back, guys from last year's team who weren't traded away, obviously Brogdon will not be on the Pacers this year, but Lance Stevenson, who's still out there, Nate Hinton, who's still out there, Gabe York, who's still out there, and obviously Dwayne Washington, who we'll talk about in the third segment here, who signed with a different team, not back with the Pacers unless other moves are made. Those three free agents still not with another team, very unlikely as of right now, that they will be back with the Pacers unless moves are made elsewhere to bring them back to the team. Lance is the only, I think, noteworthy one there. Hinton, um, good relationship with Carlisle. Pretty good young player, honestly. I thought he had a chance after finishing last year on a two-way to come back, and he played for them in Summer League, but I get why he wasn't a, a strong pursuit from the Pacers, if that makes sense. Perhaps he could join the Mad Ants at some point. Anyway, and York's just old, older for a guy of that kind of ilk at this stage. So not those two aren't surprising. Lance... You know, it, it reportedly, like I talked about at the beginning of the week, willing to take any role to be back with the Pacers. But they're at 20 now. They cannot bring in more guys. That's the team. This is the Pacers team. Is those 20 guys I just named. Now, what this doesn't mean, this doesn't. Their full roster does not mean they're done. Their off season's over. You know, they could still do. Again, this is stuff that's been loosely reported, so I will throw it out there as fake hypotheticals. But they could still do like Buddy Heald for Russell Westbrook. That still keeps them at 20 guys, right? That is still possible, assuming they get picks in there. They wouldn't just do that trade straight up. Now, the other thing here to note is five of the six of those players are still not officially signed. Servetus, the other four Exhibit 10 guys, and Brown have not signed yet. So the Pacers, like, let's just say the Lakers come and sit to the Pacers and say, hey, we'll give you Westbrook and Taylor Horton Tucker and two first-round picks just for Buddy Heald. We're desperate to get off of Russ. LeBron is now extension eligible, and he said he'll only do it if we make this exact trade. This is a very stupid scenario, but this is just to describe what could happen. The Pacers would then, they could do that trade. They could take two players in for Buddy Heald. Now, they'd be over 20 guys, but remember, six of them haven't officially signed yet, so they'd have to figure out what to do. They'd have to find a way to dump another player. They'd have to find a way to waive someone a non-guaranteed contract. That wouldn't happen. I don't think they'd waive O'Shea. So I think in that scenario, you know, they'd probably look to maybe find Goga a new home or, you know, find an Exhibit 10 guy who they can, you know, it would suck as a business practice, but they, they could choose one of them to say sorry. You know, things didn't work out or something like that. Or even they could give one of them that Exhibit 10 and then day one of camp waive them and sign someone else. That way everybody still gets their money. There are ways to make it so that 20 limit isn't super hindering in any way, and they can go over it as long as deals aren't official yet, but it does kind of change the way they have to think if they do make a one-for-two trade, if they do bring in other guys. So just because the Pacers are at 20, and this could be the 20 that they're taking into camp, I would put at 50-50 odds that it is, you know, that doesn't mean that they are done. That doesn't mean they can't do anything else. That just means that they have parameters, they have verbal agreements that they will likely be honoring and likely bringing those guys into camp unless trades happen elsewhere. So the Pacers roster looking done, which is very fascinating to me. Not that it's bad or good, just fascinating that you know that, that they're at this stage. After a month and three days of free agency, this is the team they're going with. A lot of youth. This is a super, super young Pacers team now that we can see the whole picture. Buddy Heald nearing 30, Tice over 30, McConnell nearing 30. Everybody else, everybody else is essentially 
still in their youth, still pre-prime, still growing. You could even say Turner's pre-prime and growing. And that includes the Exhibit 10 guys. That includes the 2A guys. So they are light on vets, three or four vets, mostly guys on rookie-scale deals and cheaper contracts growing into the season. So now that they're at 20, I alluded to this in the first segment, they're assuming no trades, which they are possible. I will do more shows if there are trades and what it means for the ripple effects. But as of now, looking at the 20, there is a fascinating training camp battle coming up between those six guys who aren't officially signed yet. Kendall Brown, Servetus, uh, Eli Brooks, Jim Rain, Samuels, Van Bojang, and Tevin Brown. Because a lot of the times, like for example, let's go back to training camp last year for the Pacers. They had 15 guys under contract already. They had already signed DeJon Giroux to a two-way. They had already signed Dwayne Washington to a two-way. They already had their 17th set for the season. So their three exhibit te- they had three exhibit 10 guys. It was Terry Taylor, Nate Hinton. Uh, I can't remember who the third one was that they had during preseason play. Um, but I should have been able to remember that. Anyway, they came in with three guys on Exhibit 10 deals, and it was very obvious that they were all going to be waived and end up with the Mad Ants. It was very obvious who those guys were going to be. And so this year, they have potentially five Exhibit 10 guys who could actually be fighting to have their deal converted to a two-way or to actually make the Pacers roster on that Exhibit 10 deal. If they do make it, it's just a one-year minimum contract, totally non-guaranteed up to the league-wide cutdown date. And I think the Pacers would be happy to have a non-guaranteed deal. But it's very unusual to have this sort of situation where, you know, that um, where guys on Exhibit 10s where there's this many and they're competing for not just an NBA contract, but also a two-way at the same time, right? Again, last year that wasn't the case. Two years ago that wasn't the case. So this is a very unique uh, scenario that the Pacers have put themselves in. And I'll be fascinated by this battle. I think Servitas has the best chance to really... Uh, you know, Kiefer Sykes was the third Exhibit 10 guy last summer. I can't believe I couldn't remember him. Uh, you know, they have the the battles set up to be interesting. Like Servita seems like he'd have a leg up to get one of the two spots, and then you know, I, maybe Fanbo is a forward. Fanbo Zhang, maybe they like that. Jermaine Samuels is a forward, maybe they like that. But they also have liked having guards in those spots. That's why they got Dwayne Washington on a two-way undrafted right away last year. They had two guards in the two-way spots last year. Maybe that gives Eli Brooks a really good chance, and I would understand them wanting to keep another guard on a, a point guard even on a two-way spot right given how important point guard was to them last year uh, you know they were relying on two-way guys they had to bring Kiefer Sykes back up into the fold you know they, they had relied on a ton of different dudes to be their emergency point guard between injuries and COVID and stuff and they learned how important that position is it wouldn't surprise me if they kept Eli Brooks on a 10-day or excuse me on a two-way to have that last spot to hold it down so there are you could make the argument for any of really between Fan Bojang and Tevin Brown who can shoot it and Eli Brooks who's a guard and Jermaine Samuels who's a, a, a quality forward and Servetus who has NBA experience and could potentially be a good shooter right and Kendall Brown's obviously in the mix it seems like Brown and Servetus would be the two guys with the biggest advantage to getting either the last roster spot or one of the two ways but really there's Three things. There's two two ways and a roster spot available for those guys to fight for, and that is unusual in the training camp setting. I'll be fascinated to see how it shakes out. Preseason action could actually mean quite a bit for those guys if they play and play well, or if they fit in and they look good. And obviously, the practice time is important as well. But if those guys do well, that could mean a lot for their careers and the Pacers' decisions in settling their roster this season. So now that roster is set. I want to talk a little bit about Kendall Brown and where he fits in this mix. And Dwayne Washington signing with a different team some of these roster battles as the Pacers shake out. Let's do that. 
Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, Locked On Suns, to hear more about Dwayne Washington signing a two-way in Phoenix. Perfect segue. Let's jump into that. If you'll notice, when I talked about guys from the Pacers last year who will not be back this year, I said Lance and Nate Hinton and Gabe York. I did not say Dwayne Washington because he signed with the Phoenix Suns on a two-way contract. Very interesting. Very interesting to see him ink a deal that is a two-way instead of, you know, the Pacers could have offered him a two-way in theory. And I will actually bring up the Pacers' connection here. Good for Dwayne to get, you know, another deal somewhere. He earned it. He was good last year. I thought the Pacers were going to re-pursue him. I thought that made a lot of sense. I get why he wouldn't have wanted to come back on a lesser contract or a lesser role than he had last season with the same team. You know, he might have felt like he earned more or needed a bigger role. But let's talk about the reason I'm bringing this up today. Beyond that, he signed somewhere else. Scott Agnes in Fieldhouse Files reporting on Dwayne Washington signing elsewhere. Uh, he said, let me find it, the Pacers expressed interest in bringing Washington Jr. to training camp, a league source told Scott, but Dwayne Washington wanted more than that. He probably wanted a guaranteed spot of some sort, a two-way uh, or guaranteed money or something with a team, right, instead of just being you know, in limbo on a non-guaranteed deal or a training camp deal. Scott also puts the Pacers liked Washington Jr., uh, especially the coaching staff, but uh, they, he said they clearly weren't willing to use one of their two, two-way contracts on him, and that obviously is connected to the fact that he signed a two-way with the Suns and not the Pacers, right? So that makes sense that it would be like that, and it makes this interesting to me is that they weren't willing to give him that 15th roster spot, and clearly they weren't giving, willing to give him a two-way as well. So having him into camp, I think they were encouraging a roster battle of some kind between these final exhibit 10 slots, which is so fascinating. Perhaps that, you know, they're putting Kendall Brown in this mix where they're saying, hey, maybe you will be on a two-way. Maybe you can fight for more than that, though, if it works out that way. And I think the reason this is all shaking out this way, this isn't the primary reason. There's a lot of reasons that could be in play here. But I think a key motivating factor is I think the Pacers' 15th roster spot, they would like it to be a player on a non-guaranteed contract. So they can easily move off of it during the season and have some flexibility heading into the trade deadline. I'll talk about a little more why in a second. But, you know, Dwayne, the Pacers having interest makes sense to me uh, because, you know, when I was talking to Chad Buchanan last year, uh, right after the draft at one of the press conferences, he was talking about how they like to have guards in those spots, ball handlers. That's why they signed Giroux. That's why they signed Washington. You can never have too many guards in these situations. And so having guys like Eli Brooks in the fold makes sense in that way as well. But, it's, you know, I thought that Dwayne Washington's a guard. They liked him last year. He outperformed expectations. Maybe they would bring him in for the same reasoning to a similar role. But if he wasn't willing to take it or he wanted more than what the Pacers were willing to offer, it makes sense that he would have walked. So Dwayne Washington not going to be a Pacer this season. I think that was kind of well-known by the fact that he hadn't signed yet despite being waived weeks ago uh, and his deal being pushed back and non-guaranteed. But good for the Suns. A lot of Suns fans thought it was very funny, and I get why, uh, that the Pacers waived Dwayne Washington to clear space for Aiton, and then the Suns matched Aiton and signed Dwayne Washington. It worked out in a very funny way. For Phoenix, obviously the Pacers would have signed if you know If they wanted to sign Washington, they had the means to do so. So clearly there was some sort of disconnect between the two camps there. Uh, but Dwayne Washington, Phoenix Sun, not Indiana Pacer this coming season. So Kendall Brown now, a guy I want to talk about here as well. A little bit in limbo. I'm not really sure what to expect. Not in limbo in a bad way. Just unsure of what his future is going to look like because he's in an interesting spot to me where, you know, it's been reported by Zach Pearson at 8.9 seconds that 
Uh, he will be on a two-way this coming season. But why would he jump all over that right now? And Exhibit 10 gives him a chance to fight for the last roster spot on the Pacers. There's going to be some interesting sort of shuffling of those last spots. Now, if you're Kendall Brown and you want to have a long NBA career, it might be better to take the two-way because if you get the last Pacers roster spot, you could get cut mid-season as they try to open up a roster spot if your deal is non-guaranteed and you're not doing well. And if you're the Pacers who just traded stuff to get the 48th pick, you probably don't want to turn it back to your owner and say, hey, you know that stuff we traded away to get the 48th pick? We just cut the guy three months into his career. So maybe they don't want Kendall Brown on a non-guaranteed deal, and maybe they don't want it to be, maybe they'd prefer it to be a two-way. But in his spot where he's fighting for this last spot and the two-ways, who knows what, what will end up happening there. I think that that roster battle and him being unsigned is still interesting. But that said, I think that now the dust has settled and they have 20 guys and we know who they are and the Pacers roster situation is really obvious and set. If there are no trades, I think it makes all the sense in the world that Kendall Brown would be on a two-way, given that they haven't inked him to anything yet, kind of tips that to me. You know, they could have signed him billion, millions of years ago. They have the space to do so. You know, the, the fact that they haven't yet to me tips off that it it would probably will likely be a two-way, given that stuff they have left and given that they have used neither of their two-ways at this time. And that the 48th pick the last two seasons signed a two-way both years, but perhaps something else could be in the mix perhaps he could get the final roster spot and some guaranteed money there although i think again it makes a two-way makes more sense given that they invested those resources in him they would not like to cut him mid-season he could get a promotion like several other guys on two-ways have with the pacers in last season so why would the pacers want this non-guaranteed contract to be their last spot i've said that a lot on the show i want to bring this up to kind of conclude their new look roster situation as you know they have 20 guys now uh, well, flexibility is the answer. You know, that's why they pushed back Dwayne Washington's guarantee date. They did the same thing with Keelan Martin last year. And in the history of the Pacers, since I've covered them and understood the cap well enough to talk about it, at least, and not sound like a total idiot, they love, love having a non-guaranteed contract for their 15th guy. Damian Wilkins, the first year I covered the team, they've had Brissett be non-guaranteed every year. Keelan Martin has been non-guaranteed heading into the contract guarantee dates. Uh, you know, this year, who knows, O'Shea Brissett will be again, and maybe someone else. And why do they like that flexibility? They can cut guys, they can shape, shake up their roster. I think they would have liked to have one in 2019. Uh, they had ended, or 2020, excuse me, they had Jalen the QB fully guaranteed. That was so they could duck the tax after a TJ Leaf trade. Lots of stuff involved in that one. Um, not necessarily duck the tax, just, just free up some money. So not every year they have, but most years when they can, they, they like to have a, a spot Non-guaranteeing, they do. They cut LeCue to bring in better pieces that season. They, you know, they like to make mid-season changes if they can. That flexibility is important. Thus, I think the Pacers would like to have their last roster spot be non-guaranteed. Ben Moore entered the season non-guaranteed in 2018. That's the one I was missing. So they like that. They like that added flexibility to make changes. Now, that doesn't mean they have to cut that guy. That doesn't mean that's the only way they can free up a roster spot if that guy impresses, who's on the non-guaranteed deal. But the Pacers like that flexibility anyway, and I think even more so in a season where you're below the salary floor, you can open a roster spot to take in some crappy money from another team. So you get an asset as the Pacers and you help yourself get to the salary floor and that team can be happy that they shed money or help themselves set up for a big, grander trade. I think that could be valuable, having that spot, having that money mid-season. San Antonio will also be in the mix there as well. But I think that the Pacers having that flexibility is even more important given their salary situation, given where the team is from a team-building perspective. So that's why I think whoever gets the final roster spot, even if you know if it's not one of these Exhibit 10 guys who's currently 
in the Pacers' orbit will be someone who's taking a non-guaranteed contract or a contract guaranteed like 500000 or less so that they can cut them at the, at the deadline date in January, have their roster set up, be flexible, be prepared for what moves they could make in the future. That doesn't mean they will do that, but given their MO in past seasons and given their current team situation, I think that makes a ton of sense. And I think that structure has worked well for them enough that they'll continue to pursue it. And so... Exhibit 10 contract guys, if they make the roster, if they are one of the 15 guys on the team, that is by default a one-year non-guaranteed contract. So it does make sense still that, you know, in theory, Kendall Brown could get that. But I think the Pacers would also like to have him more than one year if he turns out to be good. So my prediction for you now is that the two-way and final contract slots, if the Pacers make no trades and these are their 20 guys, I think Kendall Brown's one two-way slot. And I think the other one will either be uh, Fanbo Zhang or Eli Brooks, and then I think the final 15th spot as of now, I would give to their new guy that they brought in today. Uh, I'd give that to Servetus, but I understand how any of Samuels, um, Brown, or uh, there's so many names, I can't even keep up with all that. I'm missing one final Exhibit 10 guy here. Could get into the mix and and end up um, being one of the guys that's in this mix. So if you have questions about all that, because that was a lot of words and thoughts about the Pacers roster now that it's set at 20, now that they have a new guy in the mix, hit me up on Twitter right here, at T East NBA. If you're on YouTube, you can see me pointing at it. This podcast is at Locked On Pacers next week. Going to be changing up a little bit, uh, Gears. Going to try to do a couple of these this month. We'll have our first player interview on this show next Monday, a former Pacer who was with the team for two years, still here locally in Indy. Uh, during the Paul George era. Should be a fun one. I'm excited for that. You can guess who it is. Congratulations. Um, But it'll be a very fun show. So stick around for that. You won't want to miss it. Thank you guys a ton for listening. Have a great weekend, and we see you on Monday.